GM, give me just a second, y'all. Sorry for the slight delay. This uh, secondary phone always gives me issues, man, every time that I try to start this up. So we're up and running, though. And we are back for the 69th consecutive episode of Wonky Weekly Alpha. Nice. (laughs) So we are here. Episode 69. Excited to get rolling here in just a second. Going to go ahead and tweet this out. Rooster, welcome back, my man. How are you today? Not doing well, sir. Um, actually, I've been spending my morning conversing with uh, Kaleo Private. So it's been fun and entertaining. Oh, with Kaleo Private? Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a new Kaleo account that I guess is like following people that retweet your tweets. Um and uh, so I sent him a DM. I was like, no way. The real Kaleo? And then just uh, started it from there. At first, I first started on just trying to do a very long, drawn-out, like, these nuts joke. Right? Like, something similar in that sense. But he's just, like, too dumb and, like, won't go for it. And then I've offered to send him, like... I'm like, I, I don't want to do any program or whatever. Can I just send you some ETH and you uh, send me back profits? And um, he, like, won't accept that for some reason. I'm what? Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's the, the stupidest scammer. And I sent some of the screenshots uh, in the Citadel chat. Um, but so what he, is, like, what's his, like, MO? What's he trying to do here? Uh, let, me, let me read it. He... Okay, he like wants he wants me to copy trade him. That's what I'm trying to figure out what a scam is because he won't accept free money. And he's like, "This is this is what he sent me." He's like, "I will be a big part of your trading journey. First, I'll break down how I'm going to assist. You will copy my trades and trade it exactly how I give them to you, and it's going to fit into your schedule, so you don't have to bother looking at the computer screen." Every time for charts because you won't be needing all that. I'm already doing all that by myself. But you could learn better from my trades and you can do it all by yourself very soon without stress. Also, I'll introduce you to compatible brokerage exchange with my trading strategy because you'd be able to execute trades on with as not so many other brokers are compatible with this strategy. Not sure what that part means. With some, um, <laughs> yeah, no. okay. with as not so, with as not so is what he said. <clears throat> so yeah. you will just have to take it slowly and follow my instructions to completely understand how this all works. And like, I was just like, I just want to send you ETH and you send me back profits. And he won't accept, he's like, no, you don't send me anything. So this is like the, he won't f- fall for like the Salcon D's nuts joke. Like, he's too stupid to fall for that. He's too stupid to accept free money. So, like, I don't know. What I was going to try and do is uh, say I was going to send him, like, five ETH or whatever, but I needed gas fees to uh, unstake my ETH to send it to him and then have him send me, like, 20 bucks 
<laughs> that was my strategy. Man, um, dude, the thing is, it's frustrating about those type of accounts for me. Um, you know, one, like the majority of them are pretty low tier effort, kind of like what you're running into right now, where they're pretty obvious scams, right? So, like, thankfully, the majority of people aren't going to fall for that type of stuff. But it's frustrating for me on the other side because Twitter still has it to where people that block you can still interact with your content. So there will be these accounts that go out and tweet, retweet, and do all this stuff to completely impersonate you. And it should be as easy as you going to your notifications feed and seeing so-and-so retweeted you. And you're like, oh, they've got my same PFP. Oh, they've got my same name. Scammer. I should probably block and report them. But because Twitter has it to where you can't see notifications from somebody that blocked you, you know, you can't go in there and just automatically clean them up off their feed or off your feed. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's pretty stupid. Um, but I mean, Twitter has been doing its own thing for the past past little bit, uh, but they have increased the cap of the group chats uh, by another 25. So the cap has risen from 75 to a hundred, which is uh, a step in the right direction. One of the main people were looking for. They say they said continue to increase in the you know near future. So hopefully it gets bumped up to like two hundred or you know two fifty probably somewhere around there. Um, that'd be nice. It'd be a shit show. I mean, my phone's already blowing up literally every second of the day just because of Twitter <laughs> chats and stuff. Like it does not stop vibrating. And then, you know, I ran into the issue like a month or two ago where I muted like all my Twitter chats just because. And then I missed like the Pepe call. I missed like <laughs> so many other things um, just because I had it muted and I wasn't getting the notifications. And I was like, oh, God damn it. This is the world we live in now. No, man. I mean, it's it, it is the truth, though. It's one of those catch 22s where sometimes you have to be there in the know to be able to figure something else out like that. It's the same thing with like my group chat text messages. You know, I will sit there and like a couple weeks ago, I had a group chat that I was in. Dude, they just I, I woke up at 2, 2.30 a.m. where my phone was just buzzing left, right, left, right. And I was like, what the hell is this? So I go and mute it. And of course, like that whole group is doing something pretty cool this weekend. And I was like, what the hell are y'all doing? And they're like, well, we talked about it in the group chat. <laughs> and it's because I sat there and muted it and I haven't checked messages on it all week. And I didn't see what was going on. So, you know, it's like one of those catch 22s where sometimes, you know, the nuisance is worth it to be able to keep around for those type of opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's like fucking insurance. You know, you don't need it when you have it. And as soon as you don't get it, that's when you need it. No, exactly. So, I don't know, man, but pretty interesting stuff across the space the past couple of days. Like, pretty insane sales with that uh, um, Sotheby's auction yesterday. So, you know, that was in the generative art world primarily. Right. So, you know, you're looking at it, which, you know, dude, the thing is though, I like 6529 is a guy I've never been able to figure out like a guy slash group of people. 
right? It, it, he just doesn't seem real. You know, I'm like wondering in the back of my head, who is this fund that is behind this account that is driving this type of price action in the market where, you know, it's a little bit stagnant slash has been for a while. And then just boom, dude, dishes out randomly thousands and thousands of ETH, Um, you know, hyped about it. Like it's pretty cool, you know, for the entire market as a whole. But at the same time, where does this guy come from? Who the hell is so I, I think the the way, and, and I could be wrong here. V ways is the and Crow were the six five two nine guys. Um, you know, coincidentally, right? As BT always says, you know, who is B ways as well? Um, I don't know if there could be a connection there. If you know, we don't know either of them. But anyways. I'm not too entirely sure, but I think people attributed the first ever, you know, GM in the crypto space to him. So, like, and that's like, that was his first, one of the first meme Which parts or whatever. True. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Like, we were GMing back, we were GMing way before that account was created. Right. But, like, you know, he ended up trying, claiming the title and enough people supported it, I guess to spark it um and then you know through a bunch of collaborations he's probably gained more fame i i don't own any of the memes by 6529 but i have looked into it a couple times um but i did miss the auction yesterday was, was there like a a crazy piece by his that went for an insane amount well no 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 so these weren't his pieces that were up for sale right you know like for instance he won the the goose um which is a ringer's piece um, and he spent about like 6.4 mil on it, which way exceeded any expectations. It was, it was both a record ETH and record USD sale. Um, and there were a lot of people that were saying, ah, well, you know, like maybe it breaks the previous ETH sale, but like no way in hell that it touches the, you know, previous USD valuation. And it just, you know, blew away both. So, and it was acquired by, you know, 6529. Um, and I mean, I can see where he gets the money. Like he drops the equivalent of like a, a 10K project every month. Um, you know, just I mean, I'm pulling that out of my ass. But like just from what I've seen on Twitter, whenever he releases collections, the mint is, you know, like 0.07 ETH or something for a thousand pieces. He drops like, you know. 10 pieces or so at a time per month. It's, you know, roughly like a 10,000 piece project for 0.07. It's been, yeah, they're already on season two, maybe three or something. I don't know. Um, but I can see where he, get, where he gets the money. Like he just has people pulling in, you know, these constant mints that he releases every month or so. You know, hey, that might that might be a decent point. I've honestly never really looked and seen how much he's pulled in from it all. But, you know, one, I know it did a decent amount of volume kind of pre, you know, pre-royalty strip. Um, and then two, you know, like you said, there's enough popularity behind the collections as a whole. You know, a lot of those are basically open editions that he has with, you know, I don't want to say open editions, but their edition type work, right? You know, their closed editions might be a better way of saying it. And he has X amount of pieces with it. And I've never done the full math on what he's minted out from that. 
But I always thought that also, aside from just, you know, having extra capital to spend right now, like he had a decent amount whenever he entered into the space kind of as a nobody as well. Right. So it wasn't just one of those things where like, this is all new money and you can easily trace it back and say, Oh yeah. Like, you know, that's X amount of dollars. that's being spent from the mint. I think that's one of the things that intrigues me the most about him is just that, you know, he was kind of this anon that stepped onto the scene that, you know, had a bunch of different profound takes that immediately kind of, you know, the NFT community rallied around, but at the same time, also the NFT community rallies around a lot of people whenever they <laughs> end up flexing a lot of ETH. So I think that was one of the things that also drove a large part of the popularity behind him was kind of the 6529 Museum and a bunch of the higher end pieces, you know, the grails that he ended up collecting into that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't pay like that close uh, attention to people to like be able to make uh, you know any other assumptions um, about like you know where he came and you know with with how much money I have honestly no idea. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do respect the hustle. I have you know listened to a couple shills of his, and I do like some of the pieces, and there are some you know cool collaborations that he has done. I haven't picked up any yet. Um, I'm kind of reevaluating a, a strategy at the moment anyways and trying to piece together what personally I want my next move to be. Um, so I'm not honestly looking too deep into anything new at the moment. And honestly, might be scaling down some of my current positions just to have some extra sideline capital to, you know, hopefully catch a forever long or not forever, but, you know, to hold throughout the next bull market here within the next few months or so, you know, there could be the opportunity for that. And, you know, I, I may just be wanting to strike. Yeah, man. So, I mean, it's, I like, I feel that too. I think it's one of those things where right now, you know, it's still all about just con like, I, I, I shared that tweet earlier about, um, you know, two days ago now, I guess, about my 40K prediction being wrong, which, you know, like Lord willing that it's the thing that bottom ticks it and somehow that, you know, the market ends up driving up to 40K directly from there, like God willing. But, you know, let's say it doesn't, you know, there were a lot of people that I think misinterpreted it because it's one of those things where, you know, if you want any tweet to do well, you kind of put a little bit of a catchy headline right there at the beginning of it that like draws a lot of people, a lot of, you know, if that's the only thing they read that they're like, oh shit, one way or the other, and it, like kind of catches their eye to read the rest of the tweet. So that's why I started out with saying, oh, you know, my 40K prediction, whatever was wrong. Here's why. And if you dive into it, it's not one of those things where it's like this giga bearish tweet, right? Like, I'm not saying, oh, you know, we're, we're going to be capo and we're going to go straight down to 12K. It was more just one of those things that's like, hey, like, honestly, I just see, like, the likelihood of more sideways for, you know, an extended period of time being the most likely option. So it's not one of those things where I'm not in a rush to sit there and say, hey, you should be, like aping into whatever position leverage logging you know btc e this that whatever being in any type of rush 
to accumulate, but kind of having a higher time frame mindset, I think is just the, you know, was really the key message from that. Right. But, you know, simultaneously, there were a lot of people that were like, man, Kaleo flipped extremely bearish here. And again, like, dude, it's not one of those things where it's me flipping bearish. It's just me flipping like, okay, you know, honestly, I'm not sitting here trying to get chopped pieces across this range. Dude, just stack your shit, you know, don't short and be patient. Whenever the market conditions are right, you can put your foot back on the gas. But like until that really shows that, there's no rush, right? You know, look for the high conviction plays, stack slowly and, you know, have that type of mindset. I think that's the, you know, the key thing where we are right now, along the lines of what you were saying with just consolidating, having some capital ready to deploy. Yeah. And I think one of the issues, especially with like the internet and social media is it it's unfortunately not uncommon practice for people to you know take people's words out of context twist them a little bit to form their own type of narrative for clickbait to you know farm some engagement like it's becoming more and more and more common and you're like it's almost getting to the point where you can't say like anybody with any type of following can't make any single type of statement without someone at least one person trying to twist it or you know, flip the point of view or, or doing something just to get a little bit of engagement. Like it, it's a, it's wild. You know, I think the reason being for that is people like some type of controversy. It's why the polarizing takes are always the most viral takes, right? Whenever you're attacking somebody, supporting something that's a little bit controversial you know, saying something that's a little bit edgy, you know, you're going to see that type of stuff pop up the most on the feed because the most people are triggered by it, right? Like if it's something that incites some type of response, then it's going to get more engagement and that means more eyes. So what does that mean? It reinforces that behavior for other people that are like, well, how do I get seen? Well, you have to be edgy. So... Yeah, man. It's yeah, just like, like it, so and it's not just crypto Twitter. It's everywhere, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and and some are funny, and some make me laugh my ass off. Don't get me wrong, um, but like, it it it's just getting to the point where it's like so constant, it's draining. Um, you know, like j- just seeing people's reactions and like what what they do to it, it it's cringy to be honest. And yeah, I, I don't think people get enough shame for how cringy stuff is now like to where they did you know back in the early 2000s or even before you know i was able to remember like you know mid 90s stuff people people don't get shamed for doing like stupid cringy stuff anymore and it just like encourages more and more and more people to do like take it to the next level and do and do that like everybody's switching worried about cancel culture rather than like you know I don't know. Different conversation, probably. Yeah, man. So, um, but, you know, again, it's just the nature of the beast, right? Like, people get popular on TikTok and those type of apps, same type of thing. You know, it's where they get popular for calling out some type of influencer and for being the person that just continuously does it, for impersonating somebody else, for saying something about somebody. It's usually the negative type of content that, like, ends up ramping its way up to the top, too. You even look at guys 
like, you know, shill and villain where he just completely rugged a project and he still has people that are just sitting there in his back corner defending his decision. Like, you don't know the reason for why he just rugged. Like, I'm sure he's got something, you know, great planned for this, for why he just took out. He's been talking about this meme coin that he launched and all of the different utility behind it. And he just completely rugged the, the um liquidity and hasn't really responded to anything but i'm sure it's for a great reason and there are these people that are just brainwashed toward that somehow right and you know what does this guy do how did he make his name a lot of it was from being that guy that's a little bit edgy a little bit you know attacking everybody kind of you know not contributing a ton of positive stuff to the space but a lot more of just controversial takes and you know gained a cult following from it that doesn't give a shit what he does. <laughs> you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see a, a Always Sunny in Philadelphia adaptation of like, you know, like an episode, the gang creates an NFT project. Because <laughs> I feel like they could almost hit it spot on without even knowing too much about the space. Bro, that would honestly be perfect. I mean, there's so many different things that I think, like, I think a Black Mirror incorporation of some type of NFT project, you know, adaptation would be crazy too, where, I mean, I don't know, I haven't seen all the different episodes that have been listed out there, but somehow you like actually become your PFP in the metaverse or something and like... You know, somebody like Joey Moose is just stuck as this, you know, whatever penguin for the rest of his life in the metaverse because he wouldn't ever sell his PFP. Something like that, I think, would be absolutely hilarious to be able to watch. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, I don't know. Seeing Joey forced the decision, either sell this penguin or become this penguin, and he, like, decides to become the penguin and then regrets it. You know, I, I, I you know, like that could be the black mirror twist. I don't know, but you know, there are a lot of opportunities here that I think are untapped. They actually uh, just released like a new season, five new episodes. Yeah, yeah just watched two of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the first three uh, yesterday with my girlfriend, and they, they're pretty good kind of fucked up a little bit but you know that's what black mirror is they're they're pretty good so far yeah you know the first two were pretty good like um haven't finished the third yet i got about 10 minutes into it you know kind of ran out of time um but i will say you know the first two i i agree pretty solid like i i think the second one was a little bit better than the first but they were completely different different pace, different vibes. Um, but yeah, you know, like I didn't know if they were ever going to make any more black mirrors again. So that was a decent surprise. Yeah. I mean, it took them like what, four years now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like that. I like that. They're different stories. They're like, you know, little short movies, you know, about an hour long or so. Cause yeah, I, I don't like, new movies now they take up way too much of your time i don't want to put two and a half hours aside to like sit down and watch the tv like at one time i i just can't do it um so the worst yeah, i appreciate it being much shorter than like a what, mini movie what's even worse than that are all these series where you have like one really incredible season 
And then they'll leave you on a cliffhanger for two years. You forget everything that's happened after the two years. They come out with another season. You're like, ah, okay, like, let me watch this. You get into it. And it's just subpar. And then they leave you on another cliffhanger. And what you end up with is, you know, two wasted seasons worth of watching whenever it finally happens, maybe more than that, because you had one incredible story there at the beginning that probably should have just been cut off and could have cleanly. Right. But because, you know, it's an opportunity to be some type of money extraction, they sit there and they leave it open ended instead. And it just completely kills the entire thing. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of anything that has like a limited series or anything else where, you know, you know what the commitment is going into it. Once you're done, you're out. And Black Mirror is the same type of thing. You know, you're not going to get an extension of any of those types of episodes. The episode is what it is. It's done. You move on after. Best series on Netflix? Ozark, without a doubt. Yeah, I still haven't watched the last season. And, you know, I should, but... Same type of thing where it just drug out, drug out, drug out. And I liked the rest of them. But, you know, by the time it came out, I was like, dude, I kind of forget what happened. Do I want to watch like four or five other seasons worth to catch up again? I don't know. That's a lot of work. I guess I could just go to YouTube, but I'm not as into it as I was before. So it's just kind of like sat there on this proverbial cliff where I'm like, yeah, you know, it's decent content. Could go back and get into it again, but I really just don't have the motivation. Yeah, I mean, you're you're kind of tripping on Ozark's name, though. It's a little blasphemous. Uh, It's worth the watch, I'd say, definitely. So we got a couple other people up on stage. Son of Surge, welcome back, man. How's it going? Hey, how we doing? Oh, doing well, man. Another Friday, 69th in a row. Love it. Uh, to what you guys are saying about the shows, I thought Chernobyl was a good one because you knew what you was getting from the time you started the show, and it, it ended up being a good series. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same type of thing. Limited series. You know what you're getting going into it. They're not going to come out with, like, a Chernobyl 2 and say, oh, well, actually, you know, like... <laughs> XYZ happened at like it, it is what it is. Yeah, Game of Thrones was so awesome, and then the last season was just like this was a real letdown to me. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean, heck, you can even I guess extract this over to some NFT collections where you're like, oh, you know, I don't even want to sit here and bash anything, but like, <laughs> you know, roosters. The, the the roosters collection was great. Everybody loved roosters, but then all of a sudden, one day, price is already down X amount. Boom! You've got space roosters, and you know if you don't think space roosters are enough by themselves, guess what? There are now like these little space lizards that the space roosters discover, and that's another collection that you can mint. And you, like you just go down the list and it's like, well, shit, when does the season end? I liked season one, you know, quit printing out these other cheap knockoffs. Give me like what I want. Bro, and that's it. I was just following Yuga's blueprint. Like, come on. That's not my fault. Like I was just copy trading someone else. 
Uh, Dr. Diablo, welcome up, man. How's it going? Hey, how are you? Um, Jess, I just wanted uh, to be part of the 69th uh, Weekly Alpha. Congratulations, by the way, on the on the number. It's It's been an amazing ride. I try to uh, listen in when I can and join in when I can. And uh, talking about um, what you were saying about um, seasons and series, my greatest disappointment was probably Walking Dead or The Walking Dead. Um, I stopped watching. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what season I stopped watching, but I just said, okay, I've had enough of this. Um, it was some of the, um, I think he was called Negan or whatever, the guy with the bat. Um, I just said, I, I mean, this is too much. Every end of season was just a cliffhanger, a terrible one, and they just didn't move on, you know. I mean, Amen, man. The Walking Dead is the perfect example of this. Yes. Where I think I got myself through like six and a half seasons of it. And after that, just, I, you know, it was too much. It was too much. You know, how many ways can you walk through some type of abandoned forest and discover a new safety structure that you're going to be a dumbass about? And let collapse and then find like a new antagonist that, oh, they're after the same safe structure that you got. All of a sudden, they just decided this was the spot they wanted to be. And, you know, these people move like two miles per, you know, or two feet per minute. Yet somehow they are able to take all of the like there are just so many inconsistencies with it that just don't make sense. Yet they continued to drag it out and drag it out. And I don't know how many seasons they came out with, but like, could not get myself to finish that. The yeah, Walking Dead yeah. is like the Call of Duty video game. It was just the re-release every season of the same damn multiplayer, just in a different font and shade on the screen. And it's the same exact plot over and over and over again for like, what, however many seasons. I think I only got through like four seasons of it. And I was like... I couldn't do anymore. I didn't know if you guys were describing the the NFT space or Walking Dead. <laughs> the similarities between the both. <laughs> yeah, little. I mean, a little bit of everything in eighties. You know how it goes. Welcome back, man. Welcome back, legend. Good to see you again. Appreciate you, man. Missed all of you guys, gals, Walkie fam. Much love. It's been a while. So are you officially stateside again? Uh, yeah, I am. I am. I, I, I don't feel like it 100%. I still feel like I'm in another dimension, but um, trying to make sense of being back in the States. But yeah, I'm here, man. Back home, back with the wife, puppies. Got my toilet I can shit on. Nice hot shower, my Tempur-Pedic. All's good, man. Yeah, that is like everything that you could ask for and more but the question being are there any of those creature comforts that you've come back to that you've abstained from that you're like no you know what i could shit in my toilet but like there's a spot in the backyard i'm used to this i'm gonna i'm just gonna, like <laughs> God, no, please say that's not the one but <laughs> like are there any creature comforts that you've decided that you're just gonna go without after your time in peru coming back yeah, you know, I, it hasn't hit me too hard yet. I have been peeing in my backyard because we have to water the the plants a little bit. But other than that, it's been a uh, it's been pretty good, man. The 
the one thing about being back though it's it's coming back into twitter that's maybe one of the attributes that uh i i need to do a little less of it's been it's been quite a lot to come back into once you're pulled out of that atmosphere that environment and then you're kind of like thrown back into it or trying to attempt to come back into it it's it's you know it's a lot man it's a lot for a person yeah i can blame that fully on rooster i understand I could blame it on Rooster, too, and I could actually blame a couple other things on Rooster. Uh, I found the old clip of our um, Room 110, <laughs> our last Room 110 space we did before I went to um, Peru, <laughs> and Rooster called it, man. He goes, you're going to come back. Crypto's going to be banned in the United States of America. Everything's going to go to shit. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> well, hey, we've got the BlackRock news going for us, but... You know, the one thing about the BlackRock news, I, I love it. I'm hyped about it because, you know, I, I've read they've got a 99.8% success rate. They own everybody in the government already. They're like, there's no way they don't get approved, right? But most likely that won't line up and actually get into process. I think until like mid next year is when it would actually come out. So point being leading into that perfect timing aligning with like the next halving cycle so you know you're talking about bullish catalysts for the next halving and for next year leading into it boom dude like that that hypes me up yeah a lot of stuff hypes me up that i've been reading too but we'll see how everything goes and as long as we stay convicted as long as we stay consistent with our mindset and adopt that that lion mentality man nothing's gonna stop us with this i mean it's inevitable right yeah, the same people who were buying all the single-family homes, you know, during 2008 and shit, are now buying all your cryptos at these levels. So uh, maybe maybe sit on that for a little bit. Don't sell these motherfuckers your Ethereums and your Bitcoins. Do you think, like, it, this is, like, a necessary thing to happen, though? I mean, we, we get to a point where we're so euphoric for years and we're holding on to this, that, and the other and speculating out of our ass to the point where we don't know what we're talking about half the time. But then when we just take a step back, when this massive bombardment of, of FUD or whatever of just, you know, chaotic nature hits us, it's, it's like we have that, that opportunity now to. Yo, the uh, Mayans just rugged you. But what I will say is that I, is it a necessary step? No, right? Like Bitcoin doesn't need an ETF to be successful and to be what it was designed to be, obviously. Um, is it something that obviously helps with general adoption, helps with, you know, open up a floodgates of new money to be able to easily invest into the space yes and when you look at like bitcoin being the king of the space and kind of driving interest across the board um i obviously think that anything that opens up a new gate to be able to add more capital in the space basically it bleeds into everywhere else right like as bitcoin goes you know the money from that bleeds down to the rest of the ecosystem so i definitely think that it's something that is net bullish but you know not necessary something that can be good but isn't 100 percent necessary the one catch 22 is 
you know, again, you're looking at like most likely the way something like this is going to be structured, a very centralized holder of a large portion. And do I think anything crazy is going to happen to BlackRock near term? No, but you know, they, but they don't necessarily have control of the network. They just have a large control of the underlying asset, but you know, spot ETF is definitely bullish. Sorry, I didn't bring back a five floor ETH uh, or five ETH floor for you guys, man. I uh, I was trying my hardest. I know I got you guys up to point two, but uh, maybe next year, maybe next year. <laughs> oh, it's all good, man. It'll you know everything happens when the time is right. Everything happens when the time is right, dude. We just like last year, you we we just vibe through the chop. You know, there has been. The crazy thing is, you know, again, stocks have just kind of like chopped in the same range throughout the past X amount of months. But like there have been some absolute blood in the trenches in the NFT space. There are a lot of projects that I think are really, really struggling coming off some really high highs. And, you know, it's it's tough, I think, coming back from that. Whereas, you know, just kind of consolidating in a range like dude, the vibe just is what it is. Right. Like. You know, the the general thesis for me for this NFT space in general is you just have to basically survive, keep a thriving community, keep pulse until you hit the next real high volume cycle for the space. And then everything from there takes care of itself naturally. Right. You know, up until then, like you even look at it right now. Hey, like back to a point two floor, like, you know, it's a few ETH. Right. It's nothing crazy. You know, you, you look at like back to a new all time high when you're, you're talking about numbers like that, you're starting to say, oh, you know, like one hundred thousand dollars worth of ETH. Like it's nothing insane when you're talking about like the millions and millions of people that will flood back into this space. And, you know, that like I still think that there is a massive value for having something that is different in the space. Right. You know, for that type of art, for that type of bridge and that type of community, like, I, I really think the stonks are one of those things that speak for themselves when the time is right. So, like, you know, everything else until then is just a vibe, you know, no, no stress one way or the other. You know, you mentioned the vibe part, and that's, you know, the, the foundation of what wonky stonks is built on this entire community is vibes. I mean, that was vibe. we vibe and vibe harder. And when you take yourself out of the wonky stonk community or like as you as a founder of wonky stonks how do you like how do you think that a, a project can sustain that that long-term um ecosystem of good vibes if there's so much psychological bombardment happening within the space within their project uh failed promises this that and the other like how, how do you correlate that between the vibes and between reality at that point well i honestly think there are only so many failed promises that any project can survive. So yeah, the more promises that you give, the lower chance you have of survival with something like that. So I think that's what we're seeing across the space right now, where there are a lot of projects that are dying off. It's because there was this expectation that was set that just hasn't been met. Right. And, you know, maybe it came from a good intention from the founders to begin with, but it was something that was unrealistic. It was a bigger, you know, milestone than what they had, you know, had really anticipated going into it. And because of that, 
you know, like maybe it's been delayed, just kicked down the road, but one way or the other, whether it's the timeline or the actual deliverable, they overpromised. And I think that's difficult to come back from. So as far as that, you know, I, I think that if a project really is in that type of position, at that point, they don't need to just achieve their original promises. They need to over deliver if they want a chance of having a pulse and coming back. You know, either that or maybe like maybe you are able to swing some type of a pivot to more reasonable expectations. And it's just an understanding of, hey, this is a long, slow, steady process to get back. And I respect anybody that's in that boat, too. But one way or the other, I think in that type of scenario, it's really difficult for a lot of these. So that's why I think, again, it's kind of a blessing and a curse for some of these super high ETH projects that started off super high. Because the expectations that they set for themselves going forward from that, really difficult to maintain. Um so, you know, like, again, I, it's, that's another reason why I've honestly loved like the position of where the stocks are as far as, you know, what, what type of price, affordability, everything else that they have for the average person in crypto entering into it. Because I think it's one of those things that it does help set up a really healthy foundation um, going forward from there. Now you hit the nail on the head, man. And, and it's that expectations part of it, too, right? You know, being back for a couple of days, just observing the space, talking to a couple of people, um, and like I have this image in my mind of like it's you know Woodstock, right? But it's 2023, and everybody from all over the world is coming for this one grand big concert, and then no artists show up, and everybody's just left there, just you know, with their thumb up their ass, and that's what I kind of feel like a lot of people are at right now, and they're looking for you and thought leaders and other people like yourself for guidance and, and, and they want to know, like they want to feel comfort. Right. But that, that's hard to do in this type of environment. So you really have to have that conviction. You really have to have that strength within to persevere through the challenges and the storms that we encounter all the time. 100% man. So yeah, you know, it, like I think that's all a big part of it. Um, but Dude, I think the bigger thing, too, is just having a longer term mindset with everything with this. Right. You know, and again, that was what more so my my tweet, like long tweet the other day was about is just, hey, like right now, one way or the other, it's about having a long term mindset, like where where I am super, super, super giga bullish and where I always have been is for next year entering into it, man. And like anything else that we get this year, cherry on top. Right. You know, hey, well, if we go any higher than where we are right now, that exceeds expectations. And that's amazing. Right. I think that now is an amazing time to be stacking because there's so many people that are calling for the death of crypto, for the death of NFTs. For a exactly lot of right. regulatory and other FUD reasons that are out there. And usually, man, when you see the most headlines about the death of something in this space, in retrospect, has ended up being an incredible opportunity to stack at those levels. So I really think we're there right now. And it fires me up, honestly. Like from that perspective, I'm as bullish as I've ever been right now. Right. And I think that you would be a fool not to be accumulating at these levels because it's just one of those things where the more that you understand the tech, the more that you see the progress across the board and you see what's happening 
you know, across everything else in the world, all of these other things that we have had recently, you know, like even little things like the, you know, the banking crisis that we had in the U.S., little things like that, they start to add up and it adds more conviction for why, you know, Bitcoin in general is necessary for why the crypto space as a whole, you know, is something that is going to be an integral part of our lives going forward. So yeah, man, like I am, I am hyped right now as bullish as I've ever been toward that, that side of it. You know, I did want to shoot out a couple shout outs to um, went back in some of the chats and read some stuff and, my man Lumber has just pulled through a lot for this community and giving those uh, giveaways out, man. It's really big. Lander has been a, a, a beast and on Twitter. Just a lot of the people in this community have just started stepping up into leadership roles. And it, it, and it speaks volumes for what the wonky stonks are, for a human being to come in and want to try to step up and show leadership and show that enthusiasm for the community so i'm just i'm happy to see that part and that aspect of it still thriving and continue to thrive so much love to the wonky stonks community much love to the people that are stepping up and keeping it alive man Did we lose you, Kay? Hey, 80s. That's nice of you to say. But uh, I just feel like, you know, just being part of the community, I guess. <laughs> Shit. That's what it's all about, Lumber, man. It's all about sharing the vibe, sharing the energy with one another, and and just being human beings. I know we are all anons on here, and, and we try to, you know, hide our identities, but you cannot deny